Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! Hey guys, uh, this week I've got Jill Rippa, Kelly Rippa's sister, not really, uh, but I've got Jill Rippa on. This was a unique podcast episode for a couple reasons. Number one, I recorded it from a hotel room. I was in a hotel room uh, recording this. This was done a couple weeks ago. This was, uh, there it is. Yeah, boy. So I was in Dallas, uh, the Dallas area for my new job with Covenant, uh, working at a school and uh, staying overnight because I was there for two days. And so I didn't realize I'd be in Dallas and I scheduled Jill's interview. And so uh, we just did it. Um, yeah, we did the interview from, uh, I was I was in a hotel room. She was not. She was not in the hotel room with me. Get your dirty minds out of the gutter. So um, it was really fun. I So again, I don't know a lot of the times who I'm talking to when I start chatting with them. Sometimes I've put my foot in my mouth and I say, oh, tell me more about your classroom. And I've had a couple people say, well, I'm not in the classroom anymore. I'll be like, this is awkward. So, um, you know, I don't have a research team. I don't, I don't do a lot of research on people. If I know who you are, uh, based on just past encounters, rendezvous, uh, then I will typically, you know, know some information, but with Jill, I didn't know a whole lot, and I'm glad that what we ended up talking about was what we talked about, which is that she is diving into the playwright world, and I'm going to post her blog, and she talks about playwriting and all this kind of stuff, and it was just a coincidence uh, that she is going into this playwright world because what I am starting to do, what this lead, this is called a segue, uh, what I'm starting to kind of hopefully get a few interviews of are some playwrights over the next couple of weeks that aren't people you are all used to when it comes to one act play. These are established, reputable, published, produced playwrights that have stories to tell and that have great stories that maybe, maybe it opens your mind to doing their content for one act play. Uh, that is not to say that their content is written to do for one act play, meaning you might have to do some cutting, but these people are willing to allow you to cut their one act play, read between the lines. And this is just, it's a really good idea. It's a great idea. Actually, it's a phenomenal idea on my part to interview these people so that you get to know them a little bit and also know that they are completely 100% accessible and so that if you do some of their content, if you look at some of their plays, then maybe, just maybe, you can also reach out to that playwright and get to know them a little bit and then get to know how to maybe cut their play. Maybe they can help you with that. Uh, but again, these are reputable, published, produced playwrights, not just like uh, my sixth grade daughter writing a book, you know, uh, and we all did that when we were in sixth grade. It's a fun little project. And some of you kept your stuff. I, I have not, uh, because it wasn't very good when I was in sixth grade. Okay. And it's still not actually. So, uh, that's the Jill Rippa story, right? And I'm, again, I'm going to post a link to her blog in the, uh, description of this podcast, right? A uh, couple things that happened this week. Number one, it was kind of a tragic week all around for death. Um, they're a very sad week. I'm not trying to compare any of these people's deaths at all, but just it was like day, 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 day uh, of death. And uh, I had a former student pass away. Uh, she apparently had a seizure in the pool while teaching a child how to swim and she was not resuscitated. Uh, and so she was 24. Um, there was a student from Bush high school who was, uh, who had an accident on a motorcycle, uh, a former student, a, a graduate of, I believe class of 2018 that tragically passed away. Who was in the military. Um, 
and then like for me i know the again i'm not trying to compare these uh there were two wrestling deaths and now you know i'm a huge wrestling fan there are quite a few of us that kind of have this inner circle circle of uh wrestling fanality uh that fanatics you know you get to know these people uh we don't know we don't actually know them right we know what they allow us to know on social media and such and some of that is even uh what is called new kayfabe meaning they are kind of diving into the reality that we learn about them via social media and it blurs the lines between reality and this fictional world of you know wrestling of sports entertainment right so we don't we don't know we know what they allow us to know that said uh, a gentleman named Terry Funk, who I believe was 78, uh, who honestly most wrestling fans thought should have died a long time ago based on how he treated his body and just how he lived his life, right? Uh, but he lived to be 78. Not a huge shock that he passed away, but sad nonetheless. And then the really tragic one, uh, and I know this could be boring for some of you. This is a theater education podcast, but there's a gentleman uh, character name was Bray Wyatt, but his real name was Wyndham Rotunda. Uh, funny name, but it's, you know, it's, it's a strong name. Uh, and he was 36 and uh, passed away. And the tragedy about his was he got COVID recently and it, and it showed that he had a heart condition. So he struggled through COVID and actually almost died from that, beat COVID, beat, beat all that apparently, and then had a heart attack. And the tragedy is that he has two kids and a, and a, and a you know, he's got a family, two young kids, and also super popular, very popular, known as one of the most creative people in the wrestling business. It's tragic. Uh, it's sad. Um, you know, I know, again, that this is more of a theater education pod, so I will stop talking about that. I know TXCTA released uh, some more hotel rooms. I, I believe they're all swept up, but you know I'm excited about seeing people at TXCTA. I've got a new, literally a new hat on. I will have a hat, but I also like it's you know. But I'll be out on the exhibit floor, and uh, I'll actually be around quite a bit around the rooms, the workshop rooms, because we're kind of helping out with the projectors and such. Uh, so you know if there are issues then it'll probably be me in the rooms. But I'm super excited to see some friends, see some people that I've interviewed and through the screen I've gotten to know but haven't really ever shaken their hands. So I'm excited about that. That's coming up in a month. Uh, this weekend, as I record this, my daughter, both my daughters, but Ava is on her way to her first soccer tournament of the year. It is hot AF, bro. So I'm actually going to a board meeting. I'm a, I'm a board member for this theater company. And so we have our big like kickoff meeting today. So I'm not going to get to see that. But, um, uh, you know, soccer season is upon us. TXCTA, people are going back to school. HISD goes back, I believe, on Monday. Uh, you know, everybody, it's just everything's going now, you know. Um, sorry if you work in HISD, by the way. Uh, we're not going to get on that either. But yeah, so enjoy this interview with Jill Rippa. I've talked enough. I've talked for minutes, and uh, normally I'd talk for just seconds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just kidding. But have a great week, everybody. Uh, leave a review. Do all that stuff. Listen to past pods, past interviews. I've got quite a bit coming up. Again, these playwright interviews are meant for you to get to know people so that you can produce content and tell stories that aren't always told for one act play world. And I'm doing these, you know, I'm not going to release these in January, right? It's too late. So I'm, I'm trying to get these uh, playwright ones out as soon as possible so that you can get to know the plays, send them off to the UIL office in Austin and get them approved. Have a great week, everyone. HISD sucks. I love you, Bobby. started with mostly dance um when I as a young kid like two or three um and then I've also writing um I've always as long as I can remember been a writer um and loved all things kind of theater but I didn't really know that I just knew I liked like I said dance writing kind of the arts um 
and I think I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I, I was just like a super nerd and I loved school, um, studying, learning, all things school. Um, so then fast forward to my senior year, I just, I'm, I made some unwise decisions and ended up married really young and had kids really young, uh, married at 18, had three kids by the time I was 22, was not good. Um, and then got divorced and found myself. So that was, I was, I was married for about nine years. I got divorced, found myself a single mom, three kids, um, no degree. Uh, I had done some theater, you know, it was just something that I always gravitated towards. Um, but it was in our church. So in Amarillo, where I'm from, um, our churches there will do these big productions that were like, um, Jesus dying on the cross, you know, all of that. And so um, I would direct those, and then I started writing them. Like the music director just came to me and said, here's some music. Um, Can you write a script around this? And so I did um, and loved it. I just always felt like I had to do that, like I had to always do that. Um, So then I met a woman named Evelyn Rivers. Um, I've written an article about her in my blog, but um, in Amarillo, she is – everybody's heard her name. Some people think she's like a – she's dead. She's like a foundation. But she's basically been doing stuff for the community for uh, 40 years or something where she gives coats to children that need them and things like that. Well, she started a thing for single moms. Um, to go back to school, like single moms who wanted to get their education. She opened up this, um, what it's called the Evelyn River Sunshine Cottage. And I found out about it and I was her, I was her first graduate. So I, I moved into the apartment where she, she provided this beautiful space where I don't know when you're in that space. Um, you're not really, you know, you need a lot of love and a lot of healing. And so my kids and I moved into that space and initially, I was going to be an English major, but I kept walking past the theater, and I couldn't keep myself from from it. So I ended up being a theater major, theater performance, um, graduated in four years, um, magna cum laude, like pretty proud, and, you know, good stuff, loved it. And then I immediately, uh, my kids and I moved to Plano, um, where I worked for Plano ISD as a middle school theater director. Loved it there. What a great – that district is fantastic. Um, some things that were fantastic about it was my admin really um, made me – gave me some confidence, made me feel like, hey, you're the you're – the, rather than micromanaging me when I would go and I was so um, scared kind of, and I'm like, do I know what I'm doing, that kind of thing, she would be like, you're the expert. You know, you're the one that knows what kind of lights you need. And it just kind of – she helped me a lot. Um, so I was there for three years. Um, did one act play. I coached. Um, I coached twelve speech events, which is insane when I think about that. And then, um, and then we do like a musical, um, like three three big shows a year. And then I really wanted to be closer, one closer to where my house was in Frisco, and also I really wanted to be at the high school level. And so I got a job at Little Elm High School. Um, I was there for four years. Um, we did, we did pretty well in one act play. We made it to area a couple times. Um, um, did some shows, the homage that follows, um, uh, what I did last summer, um, gamma rays, um, loved it. A big love really did some good work there. I feel like really did some good stuff with those kids. Um, then my husband's job took us to Colorado and, um, so I had to leave. I had to leave kind of suddenly. So I was there, like I said, for four years and then moved to Colorado. And the interesting thing about being in Colorado is there's no one at play. So I had kind of like moved into the school where there was sort of a theater program, but I mean, they were nothing. Like they were, you know, I come in, I'm like, okay, y'all teach me some of your warm-ups. Teach me some of the stuff you do. Um, They're like, wait, what? Warm-ups? You know, they just, I was like, okay, so we're here. We're like at zero. Um. I am so proud of the work I did there, and I loved it. And to be honest with you, I loved not doing one act play because um, <laughs> I loved it. Um, I loved it for me, and I loved it for the kids because I felt like we, um, like we had a year where 
um, we had one of our kids, like one of the kids that was in our musical commit suicide. And I had planned on doing for uh, the next play, we were going to do um, Secret Garden. And I thought about not doing it because there were some death themes. And I mean, people were, re- it was so, it was the most difficult time of my teaching ever. Like school just became triage, like just people needed help. And we just, we did some things like um, binder baseball. <laughs> I would literally get to see the kids just couldn't do it. So we had this big wrench and we had a big black binder and we would just like knock it into the other shoulder. It was just, you know, they just needed something different. So I considered switching the play, but I didn't because I felt like maybe this was a chance for us to in some kind of healthy way deal with how they were feeling. And it ended up being wonderfully beautiful experience. That show is so beautiful and, you know, there's some challenging aspects to it. Um, and we, we dealt very carefully with the death stuff. Um, and then nobody had to tell us it wasn't good enough. You know, nobody, we didn't get to the end of it. And somebody was like, you didn't place. Um, we just had that experience. And I think theater in that moment, like did what it does. It, it, it was so powerful. And um, a lot of those kids now they're grown adults and they have, they have tattoos of that show. Um, even we did a special thing for our principal. I gave them these little keys. We had a whole, like they wear as necklaces. And I think some of them are probably still wearing them. Like they're, it was just wonderful. And that was just one experience. We've had many, I felt there we did a musical every year. Um, by the time I left, actually the year after I left, um, they uh, performed at the Colorado Thespian Convention. They performed Newsies at the Col- you know, Colorado Thespian. So we, um, and I had to do a lot of work because when you're from kind of a small town, the, the people, the powers that be in Thespian, they don't, they don't really, they're like not going to, they're not going to consider you. They're going to consider, you know, Denver, Denver Performing Arts or something like that. But so that to finally get them to notice us and, and to see the level that the kids came up where, where you do have a, a, a really safe, awesome culture, but you're also doing excellent work. Um, and no, we never had to practice a seven minute setup. <laughs> we never, you know, it was just like, there's some beauty to, to what we did there. And it became kind of like the place everybody in the community went to, to go see theater, um, as opposed to just like a kid's recital. Like it became a really, we partnered with the DFW, we, um, partnered with the town council and we just, we just helped each other. And we just, it was, it was really, really wonderful. Um, and then my husband, I stayed there for five years, and then um, my husband's job moved us to San Antonio, um, and I thought that I was going to be heartsick forever over those kids, and that just that community. I knew all of their siblings. I knew, you know, it was just very, very invested in that community. Um, so then we moved here, and I got a job at um, brand new middle school, Piper, Piper Ranch Middle School, that was just opening, and that was difficult. Um I did not want to be back in the middle school thing, but I had met Carla Schumann and she had told me there was going to be a high school being built and all of that. And, uh, so I just, you know, it seemed like a good opportunity. I really liked the principal there and stuff. Um, but it was tough cause that is not my gig like that age group. Um, it was rough, really, really rough to, to, to a degree where I thought maybe I'm not going to do this anymore. Like, um, I missed everything that I had built in Colorado. And, you know, I don't probably every theater teacher you've talked to, like what it takes to take a program from nothing to something is like, just, just part of your soul lives there. Like it's, it's such a hard, a hard, it's a lot of, lot of work. So to start that from scratch again, you know, was daunting and with middle school, but we did it. We first year we won one act play, which is what puts you on the map. Right. Um, we did a musical, uh, we, we just, you know, I, I found a way and that's kind of when I started my blog was finding a way to find some joy in the job because, because I was really struggling. Like I was struggling, like trying to, trying to figure out my nightmares from my daytime. <laughs> they were very much the same. And so, um, came up with a lot of, of really practical strategies to deal with that and ways that, you know, not just like self-care, not these big words, but like, what does that look like? How do I do this? And, um, I ended up really loving, I loved the team that I have. And that's something I think is so important. It wasn't even just the other theater teachers, but the other fine arts teachers, we just, we just became really good friends. And I think that 
that made all the difference. Um, so then, you know, COVID happened and I, you know, I'm, I'm a stubborn redheaded cuss preacher's kid. And I just was like, we were doing, um, Wizard of Oz Jr. And, uh, we just did it over zoom. We just, um, we, I just had them meet and then I got to see them. We had something to work on. And, um, then I edited it for 1 million hours and we had a, <laughs> we had an opening night where everybody logged on and we, I asked them to get dressed up and we just, we watched it. Um, it's not good, you know, but it was something when there was nothing. And I think it would, you know, would have definitely been easier just to say, we're not going to do that. So we did that during COVID. And then when we came, and then I would say around that time is when I started to feel like, what if I don't get that high school job? And even if I do, I just started to, I guess I didn't really realize how big the thought was in my head of like, is this something I want to keep doing? Public school was wearing me down, like just a little bit. Some of the, some of the crap parts of it were really wearing on me. Um, and so I started doing a grad school program with um, University of Idaho. They have a, they have a great program that people should know about. Um, but it basically what they do is they, I mean, you take some classes, it's completely online, but also like one of your classes every semester is something you're currently working on. So it could be like um, you're working, even like in the summer, I would just develop my curriculum and research plays, that kind of thing. And that would count as a class. So it just makes it doable. Um, and so I did that with an emphasis in directing. I started doing that. And one of my projects, since we were going to, you know, so then we, this is like the summer, summer 2020. So we were going to go back in the fall and do that terrible thing where we're going to have in person and online at the same time, which was just, a, just didn't work. Um, and I didn't know if we were going to get to do a one act or not. So I wrote an adaptation of Antigone um, and called it Antigone 2020 so that it could be done with masks on and the staging, you know, so when we did go back, you know, the kid, the kids that are on stage, like the course, they could wear the masks. Um, and then I just staged all of the scenes were six feet apart or whatever. I think it was six feet, you know, at the time so that we still got to do a play. Um, and it ended up being a really fascinating study. We did some dramaturgy. We did a bunch of stuff that was involved in that. And the kids made, we got kind of created this whole world and the kids made TikToks and they, we did a lot of like the Greek chorus. We made it into like a, uh, news media, social media, and cool. So we, we did that play, and um, we did we did an outdoor into the woods because um, we had this big courtyard. So that year we were still able to do shows, and then um, we finally opened the high school, and I got that job there. I was there for two years, um, and again, just really proud of the work we did. We involved the community. We did a we did musical um, with special needs kids that were involved, um, you know, not just involved, but if they're dancing, like they had, you know, they were really in it. Um, you know, we did not do well in one act play. And that's a, that's a thing. That's like, it's a beating because the first year we had the lights didn't come on. Um, literally there was like one area of light. My kids did the entire play in the dark. Um, so that sucked, um, because they did a beautiful job, but no one could see it. Um, and then this last year, it's a whole saga that we don't have time for, but I wrote a script, um, and just planned too many things for the year. We only, we worked on one act play for about four weeks. And when we placed dead last at zone on that bus ride home, I just was like, I had graduated. I graduated with my MFA in the summer with a side of playwriting. So, you know, I had that degree and I, you know, and I think that was looming in the back of my head, like what did you get this degree for? What do you want to do? And, um, and so I just knew on that bus ride home, I messaged my husband and said, I have to resign. And he was very, not just supportive, but encouraging. He, he said, you know, as the person who sees you every day and loves you, like you're not well. And, um, and I wasn't. And so, um, right after I waited till the Monday after spring break and I announced just hoping to, um, you know, give them enough time to get someone good in there. Um, and yeah. And so 
and then, you know, it's just kind of this thing of like, oh, are you retiring? I'm like, I'm not retiring. Um, I'm only 49. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, but, you know, right now I don't, I'm just taking a beat. Um, I've been writing like crazy. Uh, my blog, I post every week and I just finished a play, um, finished another script and I have, I, w- I want to do some stuff with that. And I actually got invited to join a playwriting cohort that it's got some playwrights from all over the world. So we meet, um, regularly and get my stuff workshopped. And so we'll see, I'm interested in maybe, um, definitely the writing that seems to be the thing that's like, and, and just getting myself well, like spending some time, um, doing that. And then also playwriting and then maybe doing some directing in the area, maybe teaching college. We'll see. But right now I'm just kind of focusing on the writing and kind of seeing what happens next. Yeah. So, and you're, you're in San Antonio. I am. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things, and I, and again, you're the first one to kind of uh, do. You're, you're first for many reasons, but um, one of the things that I'm trying to, you know, I get bored very easily with whatever it is I do, and um, not like in the moment. That wasn't me saying I was bored with what you were saying. <laughs> 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 what? No, what yeah. <laughs> anyway, conversation <laughs> over. No. Uh, but I get like you know. So I've been doing this podcast now for. Uh, four years, right? And uh, two times I've stopped and 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 told my wife, I can't do this anymore. I, I really enjoy getting to know people, but I really need something new to 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 add to the podcast, right? And I don't want to do video because I don't want to get dolled up every time I do a podcast. So, um, but one of the things that I thought about doing and uh, is adding playwrights to my episodes. Like, so an episode is focusing on sort of a, a you know a playwright that is not really well known um may not be known at all but some of them are you know producing shows not necessarily in Texas but um you know all over the country or even the world but aren't necessarily one act play playwrights right cuz we kind of have our choices and a lot of directors um creatures of habit if you will uh and and then there are some like Destiny Miller who is leaving theater uh, who uh, never chooses a playwright that rarely chooses a playwright that is really well known or, or does, you know, is more about the message rather than the writer. Um, so I'm glad you're on because what I, I'd love for you to kind of take advantage of this platform to hustle and push your product, if you will. I know that sounds like a, you know, in, in our generation, it's like if you've ever seen the movie Friday, pushing your product is something different. But yeah. um, but I but I want you to mention that stuff like at, at the very least, I'm going to by the time we get this get over with, uh, you're going to tell me what your blog is on. And I'm going to, you know, put that link in there if you want to. And uh, so that people know exactly what you're writing about, when it's coming out, when it's available, how they can get it. Uh all that stuff. So, um, you know, yeah. Um, so we'll get to that in a second. Cause w- what I want to do that I wrote a lot of stuff down. <laughs> you, you have a, you, your story was very honest. Uh, um, I will talk to, and I'm not going to mention names, but I talked to a lot of people that fluff up their story. You know, it's the, the social media version of their story where all they talk about is the positive. Right. Um, and you mentioned some negative things and some things that happened to you, but, I'm assuming you mentioned them because they've kind of made you who you are today. And so, uh, yeah. yeah. And so what I want you, I, I need you to first talk about going through college with three kids, um, and sort of the challenge of that. And, uh, just because that's, that's a very inspirational, I'm sure it was a struggle, but I mean, you got through it and then you went on to do an MFA. So, uh, clearly, it, it ended up okay in that in that world but how did you sort of balance the world of getting a, a degree and also having uh three hoodlums you know uh running around your house it was um it was incredibly difficult and wonderful in in the fact of like when i started that i was in a place where i felt a lot of negative things about myself i felt everything you feel when you get out of a marriage like that. Like it was a pretty abusive situation. So I felt ugly and stupid and incapable and all the things that were not true, but were 
living in my brain. And so when this opportunity came up, it was just so empowering. So like one, I would finish a class and it would just, okay, I did that. Now what else could I do? And it just kind of built and built and built. Juggling um, was insanely difficult because I was doing theater. I was also managing a restaurant. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't know. And I think, um, you know, I look back and wish I could have, you know, my kids were with sitters a lot or they were with, I had family members who helped me out so much. I think I was probably good for them in that way. But I think what they've told me now that my kids are adults, but, um, I, I had to dig into parts of myself that weren't necessarily strong at the time, like, like scheduling and boundaries and, um, and, and then just all of this discovery, I think, you know, theater and theater was like a medicine, you know, it was like, I could go in and do a role and, and it just, I was working out my own stuff through those characters. And, um, I think that that really shaped the way that I direct and the way that I, just how I feel about these kids. I see them, even if they're a whole hot mess, I know what theater can do for them. And so it has just made me very passionate about that. Like I just, because I've seen it now happen for them, but for me, yeah, the kids were um, very young. My oldest was um, second grade, I think, when I started. So they were like, they were like seven, six, and three. Um, and it was crazy difficult, but it it made me go like, made me. It just gave me this knowledge and that that anything is possible, um, and it proved it to me. And so, you know, that played out in my directing too, because then I would do like, oh, we're going to do this big, huge thing. And everyone would be like, you're insane. That's impossible. And I'm like, but maybe it's not. Um, and so gave me, a, it, it just made me strong, made me stronger. Did your kids do theater? They did some plays with me. Okay. We did um, six characters in search of an author. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. It's a play that I think people should study and maybe never perform. I don't know that an audience <laughs> is going to love that play. It's yeah. so long and it's like, why would we torture them this way? But um, my kids played the kids in that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, they grew up kind of backstage and everybody loved them, you yeah. know, so they, they did that. They, my daughter did a little bit of theater um, in school, um, but no, they kind of did different stuff. They're musicians. Um you know, and stuff like that. They, they're very artistic and things yeah. like that, but not really um, not really as much of a theater. Right. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's very commendable. Uh, I, I did my, this is me bragging, I did my first master's when my second daughter was born because I realized they just sit there, you know, because I, <laughs> I was online, I did it online, and, and I was like, I could just knock this out really easily because Eleanor will just lay there and knock at a toy every once in a while while I you know do stuff and yeah. you know that's also when I like watch Breaking Bad and stuff because you know she's not going to know what I'm, what's going on that. yeah right <laughs> so anyway well good for you um and with the with the Idaho program what's funny small world and regrettably I uh applied to the Idaho program uh I guess two years ago and uh, ended up not doing it because there's no in-person element. And I was just like, I really wanted an in-person element and went to the commerce, uh, did the commerce program, Texas A&M Commerce. And I will, not, I will keep my opinion to myself uh, about that program right now. But some things as of today just actually changed as we record this. Uh, so for the better probably. But, um, but that Idaho program, you're right, uh, is something that... I think more people need to look at is there something specific that kind of stood out for you I know you already mentioned that you know you're able to use what you're already doing as your content as your education uh, are there other elements to that program that you could speak on or is that kind of the main thing sure. I mean that's the main thing and I think for me of course I want that in-person element I mean that's what the theater I want to be there and I want to I want to do everything I want to paint I want to hang lights I want to do all the things but I also want to stay happily married and, you know, that, that's more important to me. Um, and I just, you know, 
because he was even supportive. He was like, we can find a program here. But I was like, I'm not willing to do what that's going to do to us. Like, I know what kind of hours that takes and I'm not going to do it. But um, I would say that the people you meet in that program um, that are from all over the country, that's how I got this playwriting cohort. Um, And then from there, other people. Um, And so just so many different perspectives um, that you just wouldn't get somewhere else. If you just go to a a university in Texas or something, you're going to get people from Texas. Everybody's going to be one act play. These people are like one act play means nothing to them. And, and, and don't hear me bashing one act play too hard. I think there's many, many benefits of it, but it is refreshing to be like, Oh, there's a bigger world of theater besides that. And it, it just, again, all those perspectives, the networking, the fact that they kind of really push you to pursue the business side, some of the uglier, like the harder things, they really kind of teach you about that. And then they let you, like, that's why I'm playwriting right now. I think I took that playwriting course and it just, man, it sparked something in me. Like I was like, I have to be writing. Like I loved it so much. And so that, that's, that's a really big benefit too. Yeah. I'm going to get to the playwriting stuff in a second, but I want to get these other boring questions out of the way. Uh, do you, do you think that, cause you mentioned that dance was kind of your thing. Do you think that dance helped shape your approach to directing or did it have nothing to do with it? Oh, hundred percent. I yeah. think that I, um, because I, I love movement, um, and kids love movement, you know? So like we can go through and, you know, I, I teach them the stuff that they hate too, which, you know, the, book, the table work as our objective and our tactics and all that stuff. That's important. But I think especially when I was working with middle school kids, you know, they can understand that, but they may not have a, a scope to work from or something. And even some of my high school kids, you know, um, I found that physical movement um, can really, um, it, it can give them something to go outward in acting. So I would really do a lot of, uh, work with them on that. Usually every play, especially the dramatic ones, we would do kind of a movement piece that we would build every day. And that would be, um, I'd pick some song and then at first they'd be like, what are you making us do? But then I would watch them. Basically we're acting out the tactics that are in the scene, but we would do it in a movement, not necessarily dance, but I would use some Laban or some viewpoints and kind of do that. But I also think that actors, it's really good for them to learn basic ballet and some of that stuff. It gives them some physical control of their bodies and the perspective of other people on stage with you. So, yeah, I use movement yeah. a lot. Yeah, good. And then I, I got to mention, uh, and we don't need to name names or anything like that or blame anybody, but you said that you did the UIL play pretty much in the dark. Um, uh-huh. I don't know how to I don't know how to approach this with because <laughs> uh, yeah. that that would that would anger everybody. I mean, I think every director would get angry at that. But like that speaking as a con yeah, speaking as a contest manager, and I'm not an adjudicator, never will be. I just don't have any interest in doing that. But as a contest yeah. manager, uh, it's kind of our job to approach the director in, in the heat of the moment and say, "Do you want to stop and figure out the problem?" And we can restart or pick up where we're stopping right um mm-hmm. like was anything sort of and again i don't want you to mention any names because i don't want to incriminate right. anyone but uh like was that why wasn't that moment that day that contest kind of like was everybody in the do- i just don't understand why and i'm also a lighting person so yeah it was a mystery um we had because we were trying to be nice our school was like closest to the the venue so we so we had our tech rehearsal last right. the day before and we went first the next day okay so between the time that we recorded the lights which um, I had so at the time I only had freshmen and sophomore right okay so I didn't have my light guy was not very good and I actually record I was up there recording them so I know that they were I know what we recorded and all of that um, I don't know exactly what yeah. happened. I think sometimes in those systems, anyway, I think something got pushed or they they recorded another light for like the announcements or right. something. Because then after our play, they went in and they fixed some stuff and then everybody else's lights were perfect. Yeah, I bet so I know what happened. <laughs> I think, to, you know, and I'm going to tell you, that I'm not going to mention her name 
because I just because I think she's a our contest manager is probably one of the she's a very well known and renowned person and I think I think what happened too is that this particular venue has a lot of tech issues right. and so we also had first our sound didn't start so she stopped it and then because we were going to get into that 60 second roll right so she stopped it they fixed that and then the lights didn't work and I actually, when it comes down to it, I blame myself. I mean, I guess she should have said something. They should have stopped it. My poor kids were yeah. performing, and literally, it was really, really, really sad. But I should have demanded it. I should have. But I thought I was going to get disqualified for that. Right. And so I, you know, I've since learned, like, no, I could go talk to the contest manager. Um, and I should have, but I didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was... That was heartbreaking because we had a, we did the book of everything and um, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful show, um, but yeah, it was in the dark. Yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry about that. Sorry for your kids too. But you know, on the okay, I, my kids grew from that. Yeah, we, we really spent a lot of time reflecting, and and it's okay. I was gonna say gonna stronger people. Yeah, I was I was gonna say there's a silver lining, especially if they're just freshmen and sophomores. They're that's mm -hmm. never gonna happen again. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so they they know. Yeah. Um, all right. So I want to talk a little bit about the playwriting world. Um, first of all, talk about what what it is that you like to write. What is the kind of content that you typically uh, would love to see put out there, published, etc. Mm -hmm. um, it tends to be um, almost like a dramedy or dramas. And I would say that right now, what I'm really what's just really capturing me is. Um, really kind of stories about women mm -hmm. um and um that kind of journey this the play that i wrote last year was uh i guess it ended up being a sci-fi i really did not intend it to be that way but <laughs> it was kind of a it ended up being you know there were aliens involved so yeah. that was my fault yeah. um but yeah there's that um i like a little comedy i think every show should make you laugh at some point you know i guess not every show but i don't know i think yeah. people like to laugh yeah. In a, so I like to do that. Um, right now, what I just finished is I, um, so my great-great-grandfather, I have his journal of oh. settling Texas. It starts like Civil War, and it goes through about 1928. Um, and so I wrote a play about basically him and his wife, more focused on his wife's kind of like, what that was like for the women, you know, right. did some research and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, it's got, I like also, um, which I guess is really good for one act play, but I like a simple kind of set, like a movement. I love ensembles. I do love movement. Um, that's kind of hard when you're writing for things that are not high school, right. because I'm having to shift that because in the professional world, they want a small cast and I have to kind of yeah. shift that. Do you do you find yourself do you find yourself trying to uh, what's what's the term I'm looking for uh, n not not feed to master what's whatever the whatever the term <laughs> I don't know the term right now but do you find yourself trying to uh, uh, make the educator side happy as well as the professional side happy or do you just say this play is for these people and this play is for these people. So for up until now, I have always written for a certain group. Okay. Um, I think 100% of the time, the plays I have written have been, with the exception of the one from last year, I just wrote that really for myself. But um, I, I'm having to kind of shift that, you know, of yeah. just like just wanting to write it and thinking about if you want to get a theater to produce it, um, you know, I, so anytime I want kids on stage, I'm like, maybe not that, I'm like, have to do that but i don't i'm trying to kind of not really pay attention to the educator side right now right more just what theater can do and i just am a storyteller like that's i just want to tell the story right um how how difficult how hard are you on yourself like how 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 much do you sit there and stew over the you know the way insane. okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i'm very way way too hard for myself yeah do you do you ever and I'll, do and I'll be like okay I have a deadline I got to get this play done by now and my husband will be like for what like <laughs> why <laughs> I don't know I just feel like it should be done I just don't want to 
I don't want to waste this opportunity that I have that I know people would maybe love to have. Right. You know, I just want to make use of every minute. For you, what's the key to being a good playwright? Being honest, figuring out what's honest about this moment. Um, also, I think something I'm having to really do is um, I keep referring to it as lessen the scope. Like I have a little note on my desk that says a deep breath and a sharp focus because I feel like even as an educator, one of my problems was just doing too many things. I see yeah. every single kid, I want every kid to have an opportunity. So I'm going to direct I literally think I directed, including class plays and everything last year, something like maybe seven or eight plays, maybe right. more. Um, it was just like insane. Um, and so with my writing, I see the same thing. I think you have to figure out what story you want to tell. Um, and then, you know, what do those characters' voices sound like? What really happens in this situation? And, um, and then I think also just like observing real life. I think just like watching people, listening to people, um, hearing what stories are really there. I think that's, that's big. Cause I, I do want to tell the truth in my plays. Right. Yeah. Uh, so one thing I took a playwriting class, uh, during my commerce master's program. And the thing I found myself struggling with is walking away in the middle of a scene and coming back like days later and not remembering where I was or, you know, not, not literally where yeah. I was. I knew where I was. I was at home. But, uh, I mean, in the play, I'd, you know. Um, but how do you – I'm so, sort of selfishly asking because I just want to know how kind of you would approach that because I, I doubt that you – I'm sure there are moments where you sit down and you write almost everything. But most of the time it's probably you sit, write, go away, sit, write, go, you know. How do you kind of come – yeah, how do you come back to that? How do you get yourself back into that mind space? So um, I'm, I'm working on that process. So what I've done right now, I have these note cards. Yeah. That I, because for me, um, okay, so like when I did the Antigone adaptation, you know, what was easy about that is that the plot's already there. Right. So like I know the scenes, you know, and I kind of did, I laid out and I created some new ones and did some more with Euripides and stuff like that, but. Um, especially initially what I wrote was a one act and it was just what you see. I just took the original script and didn't just, you know, but I didn't have to make the plot. So I would say now that what I do is I just, I laid out what is my character that I'm following? What's her journey? What do I need for her to, that's the most important thing is that when you get lost to kind of come back to what is the story that you want to tell? Right. And then, so then when I, I leave a scene, I do sometimes have to go back and kind of reread. I'll, sometimes I just have to start at the beginning and kind of read through. Um, but usually if I leave, it's it's what's hardest to kind of like, I just, am, I, I can see that world. Like right now I've got pictures of my grandparents all around. Like I just got kind of like immersed in it. Right. Um, I look, I bring out that one note card and I'm just like, this is the scene I'm working on today. Um and then I just, I have a, I'll just start writing. I'll start writing. Um, and I have about 40 pages of cuts, mm. you know, and I just go, because you just write stuff. Sometimes you just have to put them in a situation. I sort of see what happens. And then, you know, I would just say that I, I come back, I just start writing. And I just eventually have to kind of find my way there. I don't know right. if that helps. At yeah, all, no, that, I mean, the note card thing is, I mean, that's a perfect like sort of uh, anecdote to that so that's that's good that it helps. yeah that's what i was looking for um so i want to get you out of here on this uh you kind of hit that sweet spot of the interview time uh that i like to hit but um you mentioned you know you, you your your time with in texas teaching in texas and then your time in colorado teaching in colorado uh what is something that because we're so you know, Texas theater is so in, uh, uh, in the trenches with one act play, right? It's like, it's one act play or nothing. Mm -hmm. And even in yeah. interviews, you know, a, a principal will say, what's your one act play success? And I have said to a principal that doesn't, I don't know, doesn't matter to me. What's my classroom success is really what you should be asking. But um, what is something that you got in Colorado, right? That you learned in Colorado as an educator that you came back to Texas and sort of applied that. Uh, 
and and you can make all the jokes that you want about you know well you know i chilled out in colorado obviously but uh and brought that back to texas right um but that's yeah. you know you, you you could say that and maybe it's true i don't know but uh what is something that you sort of experienced or learned from your your time in colorado that you were able to bring back to texas that helped you sort of put things in a little bit more worldly global perspective rather than just the country of texas right mm -hmm. yeah to me it was that community aspect of just like what i saw theater do so um so some examples you know uh, what we did for those veterans um you know that theater doesn't have to be it's not even always a play like we put together a show that honored them and then after and they were just like i had the um a, uh, like a, a uh, general that was there give me his coin and i don't know i didn't really know what that meant but they have like 20 of those or something that they gave out and he gave me one of those so like what it means to people when you bring theater to them and what I saw it bring the community together, especially when we actually had multiple suicides that year. And um, we were able to do, we did like Beauty and the Beast and we did a big community thing. We had, you know, uh, tea parties with Mrs. Potts. We had, you know, um, carriage rides in the parking lot and the kids could, it was just such a family. It let people see what was happening in the school instead of just labeling us that. So I guess I would say the power that theater can have to, affect your campus and affect your community um it, it not just not just winning things I mean because we would go to thespian and we would win I mean we were we were qualifying for nationals we had you know a show there we would go and just like knock it out of the park um but that's not the competitive thing that is Texas I think it gives theater funding so that's great but I think it can just sometimes it just takes away from what what I saw happen in Colorado for these people that it really, it also educated them because I had a big, like a big Mormon community and, and they were lovely. I mean, those kids were wonderful and the parents, but you know, you're limited. And so we did a, we did a little bit at a time, um, kind of taught them through and educated them. We're playing a character right now. So we can show our shoulders. Maybe we can, um, when we're doing midsummer, we have to say ass because it doesn't mean but <laughs> um and they would learned and i think those parents also learned to accept their gay and trans children they learned it just was amazing um and you saw that theater is diverse you could do a bunch of different things um it is not about um winning one act play like and i guess you know what's hard is that i think i maybe took that a little too far because we did so many things on our campus and really proud of that but then at the end of the day you got to take your kids and they have to go up against people and how they're going to feel if they don't show up for that is it's not great so i think it's a hard that's a hard thing i told my daughter this week that she's got to record the ending again because i accidentally deleted it so here it is minor wisdom 